Gaming and BS. Coming to you Wednesday, January 31st, 2018, episode 175. Welcome to Gaming and BS, tabletop RPG podcast. This is one of your hosts, Sean. <laughs> this is Brett. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you on board. How are you doing, Sean? I'm glad to be on board. Are you glad to be on board? That's good. I'm glad you're on board, Sean. It's Thanks better to be on board than off board. That's true. That's very true. Um, so let's see here. Since last we talked, um, Sean and I have mentioned uh, we're both going to GaryCon. Sean, you're still going to GaryCon, right? That's the plan, Stan. I think Kevin is going to show up for a day, too. What? Yeah. Kev Lovecraft may be coming down, which would be kind of cool. That's crazy. So <laughs> hopefully we can make that work. I was going to go to Origins, and Joe Swick, God bless him, mentioned to me, hey, um, that's Father's Day weekend. And in Brett's head, I heard, hey, that's near Father's Day. And I went, ah, whatever. It's no big deal. I'll be home in plenty of time. It'll be fine. And my lovely wife says, you know, that's Father's Day weekend, right? I'm like, no, no, it's close to it. She goes, what do you mean close to it? Apparently, I suck at calendar. So I look at it, I'm like, holy fuck, that is actually Father's Day weekend. And traditionally, we're Father's Day weekend. I do stuff with my kids. So I'm going to bail on Origins this year. Wah, wah, wah. Not going to go. Going to spend time with the family instead. Are you recording a video right now? Uh, yes, I am. I am not. I think so. Oh, wait, I should start now. I wasn't. I was ready okay. to go. Should yeah, I start? Let's do it again, yeah. Start the whole thing over? Yeah, just do new new movie recording. <coughs> there we go. Now I'm going. All Let's right. Off to the mic. Shall I start over? Over. Yeah, we can start over. Okay. <laughs> you just gonna dub over the top of it? Or what are you gonna do? Uh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll start now. We'll start now. Welcome to Gaming and BS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean, and I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Glad to have you on board. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing this. We're doing this. So Brett and I did this in audio. So you're kind of like, what the hell are they doing? So we want to tape this um, t- for YouTube. So we're gonna try to put it up on YouTube. Yeah, video. See, see if we can make that work. Yeah. Sean, Sean's got the '80s glasses rocking again. He's ready to see everything. Apparently. <laughs> so I said this uh, before. I'm gonna say it again now that it's uh, going to be on YouTube. But Sean and I are definitely going to GaryCon. Um, Kevin Lovecraft may be coming down as well, which would be cool. If you can make it. Um, I was going to go Origins, but I'm not. Uh, turns out Origins, as Joe Swick tried to tell me, but I'm an idiot, is actually Father's Day weekend. <coughs> Excuse me. So my lovely wife got a hold of me and said, hey, you know, it's Father's Day weekend. And I'm like, no, it's not. Father's Day is like close to it. It's like the weekend before or after. She said, no, it's actually there. Looked it up and yeah, by God, that's Father's Day weekend. And traditionally speaking, Father's Day weekend, I spend the time with my kids. So I'm going to stay home. And not go to Origins and do some stuff with my kids, which will mean, of course, I'll be running D&D for my kids. Um, I think my middle daughter, Rianne, has played with me before. She loves that. She's going to be home from college that weekend, too, so we'll probably get some get her in on a little D&D gaming. So, uh, yeah, not going to do Origins this year. Kind of sucks. Oh, and uh, just in case um, anybody follows me or anything on Facebook, I fucking hate Facebook. And I went through it, and... I had a bunch of people that I'm like, oh, my God, I'm sick of these political posts. So I went through, was cleaning out comments and shit people were sending me and chats and all this crap. And, um, yeah, I think I deleted people that I didn't mean to delete. <laughs> I think I unfriended people and uh, all that crap. So uh, if I did that, I uh, apologize. Uh, hopefully no harm, no foul there. But, um, yeah, anyway, I'm a Facebook tard, so that's the problem there. So that's Facebook your, moron. That's your story and you're sticking to it. Yeah, that's the truth. I'm just an idiot. So anyway, you have any announcements, Sean? I do not have any announcements. All right, shall we random encounter? We shall. We shall. Random encounter. Want, want me to read, dude? Yeah, you started off. Matt S. emails us. Hi, BS. As a Wisconsin native and Madison grad in his early 40s, Discovering your podcast last month was like opening the fridge to find a six-pack of Schlitz Tallboys hidden behind Mountain of Leftovers. I know I know what that is. I know what all of those things are. That's awesome. Where, hey, where you been, Matt? Hey, good to, good to hear you, brother. Yeah. 
All right. I've made my way through most of the episodes and have found them interesting, educational, and entertaining. Matt, are you sure you're listening to us? Yeah, you're muted, dude. Sorry, sorry. I was just... I heard you say that, and I almost did a spit take because I'm like, that's Schlitz Tallboys talking right there. That's what that is. <laughs> anyway, keep going. All right. I've made my way through most of the episodes, and how. Oh, okay. <laughs> I already read that one. Her, as a person new to the hobby, I bought and started uh, running the 5e starter set for my kids uh, and wife last year, and am now also in a weekly gaming group. I am always looking to sponge up insight and information. To that end, I've been using a combination of my play experiences and other data, such as podcasts, articles, reading through core books, etc., to help define what I am looking for in a game and also how to facilitate that as a player and GM. Your last episode relates to what I've discovered so far, and I'm interested to, in what you might think. For me, immersion is everything. I do not have a background in drama or writing, so becoming my character and being in the scene is one of the things that does not come natural naturally to me. Uh, anything that aids in helping me achieve these is therefore hugely beneficial. Your last episode, based on the way I listened, discusses another device to enhance the richness of player experience by providing a greater depth of immersion. I find that any metagaming breaks the immersion, which, for new players like me, is not necessarily easy to achieve. As you discussed, HP is very metagamey, and I am finding that it is fairly ubiquitous, ubiquitous and accepted. I would love to have a modification to damage tracking, which provides narrative license, which provides narrative license to the game master and players while still allowing for results mostly governed by player choice rather than narrative invention. This would be the rule with the with exceptions given a particularly well-described, situationally dramatic, or just effing badass cinematic descriptions. Here is the rub, and I and might be the only contribution this email has to the discussion. As a G number one, as a GM, I would find it tough to take on the additional bookkeeping associated with hidden hit points. You mentioned that, Sean, when we were talking about it. It's one of those things that, like, wow, that'd be really great in practice, and then you think, oh, shit. <laughs> Somebody has to write that stuff down, you know? So I totally get that. Dude, you're, you mute in your video? Oh, mm. you're coming. Hold on a second. Better? Say again? Better? That should be yeah. better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, we got all we got too much stuff going on over here. Sorry, way too much. Holy crap! I'm like Brett. You're coming through like five different orifices. I'm everywhere, dude. Yeah, I'm at all your openings. I don't know what that means. Carry on. Uh, number two, in order to achieve the ideal combination of player narrative control during combat and the GM reacting with realistic outcomes, or vice versa, the complexity of damage and condition tracking would increase even more. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that you'll find when you run a game like Rollmaster or any game that has a critical hit system will say, oh, you take two points of damage around, or you're stunned for three rounds, stunned and bloodied, or every time you start laying um, conditions on, it can get complicated. In Brett's example, he refers, I believe, to a player receiving a stunning blow to a shield arm and adjudicates a damage and condition resulting from this. Would a blow to the head or slash helm induce the stun condition? If so, I could see players always narrating an attack to the head or shield arm to gain a tactical advantage with every attack. Maybe over maybe I'm overcomplicating it, but in order to solve this, I would have to come up with some downside associated with attacking the head or shield arm to counteract this, which also makes narrative sense since these are vital areas for the defender to protect. It would therefore be harder to hit or leave the attacker open to counter. I guess this leads me to have to agree for the first time in this kind of discussion with Sean. Oh. Checks in the mail, Matt. Ah, <laughs> uh, la, 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 la. And say, 
that while I love the added flavor and immersion that this kind of gameplay provides, it might be clunky and difficult to incorporate unless the system natively supports it. Lastly, can you give a new hobbyist like myself some tips or resources to help with getting into character and or immersion? Any help would be greatly appreciated as I'm an engineer, so people scare me and I are words and feelings not smart. <laughs> Thanks for the read and hope to see you guys at GaryCon or GameHole. Matt. Well, sweet. Thanks, Matt. I'll tell you what, man. Um, I've been thinking about the immersion piece. Sean and I have talked about it briefly, and obviously you've listened to the episodes. I think we need to dedicate some time to it. So that's going to go on the list. In fact, it might be next week's episode. So <clears throat> I've been toying with a couple of them here. But I think your statement and Sean's did do have merit uh, around the if the system doesn't natively support it. My first thought is, well, if you want to have, yeah, <clears throat> players constantly attacking the head or the shield arm to gain advantage, you add, you jack up the difficulty. If you're using a armor class, you raise it. It's basically called shots is what you're trying to do. And um, the other thing to always remember is the bad guys do the same thing. There's no reason that the goblins wouldn't try to whack you in the head with a club or the orc chieftain wouldn't try to cut your kneecaps off or whatever it is. So whatever fancy thing that's good enough for the players to do to your bad guys and monsters, the bad guys and monsters are more than welcome to do the same thing back. So um, anyway, that would be, again, that would be taking... An existing systems mechanic, trying to utilize the mechanical components to it. If it has cold shots, utilizing that. If not, something of plussing or minusing up the um, the modifier on the to-hit roll in one way or another to try to make it tougher. Cool. I like it, though. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Thank you very much for listening and for writing in, brother. That's cool. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You ready? You're just so high on the fact that somebody agreed with you. <clears throat> I'm not even sure what I'd do with that. I think I'm I'm doing all right, man. I think my track record's okay, considering. Yeah, this start of the, the 2018, it's the year of the Sean. I like it. Uh-oh. It's the year of the Sean, 2018. Oh, oh. There it is. I'm saying it. All right. Steve Orlick emails us in Hidden Hit Points. See if he can help me out here. Um, <coughs> hello, gents. In regard to the topic of Hidden Hit Points, I feel I must reiterate a sentiment from the last email I sent to the show. I'm with Brett. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, he continues. Now, don't get it twisted. I've got nothing but love for you, too, Sean. I've oh, agreed with, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I've agreed with many of your views in past episodes. If I ever remember any of them, I'm, I'll be sure to write in and let you know. <laughs> oh, Steve, you're now my new favorite person. Yeah, Steve's all right. He's good people. Seriously, though, when Brett described what he meant by hidden hit points, my eyes lit up and my brain went, yes! I'm a D&D guy, but like Brett, I homebrew a lot uh, to fit my style. As a DMN player, I much prefer story over mechanics. I really like the hidden hit point concept. However, I think it can run into problems in fights with a lot of participants. As Sean said, one more thing for the DM to keep track of. See, Sean, I told you I agree with you sometimes. I also think there would be a lot of flack from players at the first character death. If I would have known how hurt I really was, I would have run away. Whine, whine, complain, complain, damn players. Hashtag need a safe space. <laughs> I think the idea is, is worth digging into and finding out if it can work. I'd be happy to join you online if you seriously want to give it a go. Keep up the BS. Love both you guys. Steve Orlick. Yay, Steve. My new favorite guy. All right. Thanks, Steve. Over to you, Sean. Eli Kurtz. He comments on Google Plus on Hidden Hit Points. Another fine episode, gents. Personally, I love the style of play that Brett summarized as hidden hit points with plenty of narrative description to do to accompany combat actions. I think the trouble comes from trying to shoehorn that play style into mechanics that aren't intended to model it. I totally agree. A few months ago, I was trying to find a concise definition of what D&D does best. With the help of a few folks, I boiled the game down to these essential pieces. D&D is a game of scaling, meta-tactical, high fantasy action, and resource management. Profound. Yeah. I don't know. Uh-oh. I don't know. Uh-oh. I, I, I mean, I just, we just did this this thing at work. Um, at where, work? What the hell? You play D&D at work? God, that'd be awesome. Anyway, <laughs> make my life better. I'd want but to go work there. Every time. Pay me cheaper. Every time I get a new boss or something like that happens, somebody goes, we're going to do this strength finder thing. We're going to find out how good, be we're going to classify you and put you in a box. 
is how Brett sees all of those things. So as soon as someone... It's better than Myers-Briggs. I Just saying, it's the same type of thing. As soon as someone says, hey, I know what something is, and then they codify it down to one specific thing, I go, ah, but it is Eli Kurtz, and he's a super sharp dude, so I will give him the benefit of the doubt. And I read this here, and as you read it out loud, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think that's not too, that's not too boxing in. That leaves room for interpretation. It's not the end of the world. I'll let him get away with it. I'll let it slide. I'm interested to know your five strengths, Brett. <laughs> um, drinking and <laughs> complaining. That's not, a, that's not in the book. No, it's not. All right. I'll, uh, tell you, I'll tell you what a bad way to do those strength finders, just as a note for people. Don't do it the, the day before it's due, actually a half hour before it's due, and take it in a rage. Don't do that. <laughs> your results are probably skewed. <laughs> Go on. Hot it tips. Hop tips. Uh, it's a. Uh, he continues. It's a game about growing in power and using that power to overcome increasingly difficult tactical challenges. It's also a game where the metadata, hit points, armor class, spell slots, etc., takes center stage in the experience of play. Fans of D and D could talk about its potential or narrative, exploration, immersion, and everything else. They're not wrong, but the core of what the game does is about balancing explicit, quantifiable resources against threats. I wouldn't say balancing. I would say managing. But fair point, Eli. Keep going. I've got no beef with people who prefer that style of play, but like I said, it's not my ideal. I've tried to add more narrative damage into D&D, but every D&D fan I've played with has pushed back just like Sean did in the, in the episode. It makes sense. Hidden damage changes the game's fundamental relationship to resource management. Ultimately, mechanically, narrative damage is not what the game tries to do, and it's not what the fans seem to want. Wounds in Savage Worlds are a good midway point between purely narrative systems and D&D-style tactical play. At one point, Brett gives an example. He quotes, The hits don't seem to affect the giant, but then there's a loud crack when the dwarf lands a blow on the giant's chest. End quote. Maybe I've played too much Savage Worlds, but that sounds exactly like a bunch of characters failing to roll higher than the giant's toughness, than one lucky dude getting a few raises to break through the break through and inflict the first wound. It's a lot easier to describe those combat turning points when you've only got four wounds per wild card. It also helps that Savage World's wounds actually apply a penalty when you suffer them. So I guess I agree with both of you. I love Brett's idea, and I think both of you are right to say combat is better with narrative description, but Sean's right too. Making a mechanical change is too radical for D&D. I kind of want to argue with him, but I kind of want to agree with him at the same time. What he says makes what he says makes sense, and uh, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Eli, uh, he's he just has wisdom beyond his years. Apparently, well, the other <clears throat> the other piece is that I was talking with um, oh god, who the hell was I talking to? Oh, uh, Edwin Nagy. We were talking about um. He said something to me. We were, we're emailing back and forth about uh, something I was working on with Avalon, and he had said, "You know, sometimes, Brett, I think you put too much um, too much faith in the players." <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but basically, not all players are as good as you'd like to think they are. He was being very nice about it, and it's not necessarily. I mean, I'm I'm saying good. I don't think Edwin said anything quite that demonstrative, but the uh, the fact that I I do tend to assume the best when it comes. I'm like, oh, they'll figure it out. Oh, they'll sort it out. Um, and I think perhaps if I have a game design brain of any kind, it's like, look, this is the type of game I want to play. And if it's not what you like, if you don't like Brett's version of D and D, well, then I guess it's not, not for you. And then just move on with it. But I do get your point, Sean. And again, what Eli references here too, that does make sense. And I, I don't, that the, uh, that Savage Rolls component does make sense. And when you talk about smaller numbers, like four wounds for the wild card, I mean, that totally makes sense, right? It's easy to describe when there's only four wounds, you know, cutting things in quarters is pretty simple as opposed to saying it's got 150 or 78 hit points or something like that. A little bit different. Yeah, yeah good perspective, man. Good perspective. Yeah, and if you want to know more, if you want to hear Eli really uh, be in his element, you'll have to go and check out his podcast 
Jing, is it Jing Hu? Jing Hu Hustle. Jing Hu Hustle. Uh, he and Eric Farmer. Yeah. He and Eric Farmer. Yep. Yeah. They talk about if you like chapsaki. Oh hell yeah. Chapsaki and some old uh, Black Belt Theater back in the day. Yep. You ever watch Black Belt Theater when you were younger, bro? I do remember that. Yeah, that's right. And it that's... was like Saturdays or something for like three hours. Yeah. You'd get like the, the weird old school Jackie Chan stuff. Yeah. And even older or more different. Yeah. They well, talk about the movies and I think they might even incorporate some gaming into that as well. Usually do. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, right. so Jared Rasher weighed in on hidden hit points as well. First, the technical. In the 5th edition D&D DMG, it still mentions the bloody condition, although very few things are actually triggered off of it. It's only mentioned to cite that if you need to let players know what condition adversary in bloodied is a good way to give a clue without giving them actual hit point totals. There's also a section on optional lasting injuries that I like, but I haven't had a chance to implement yet. Because it's an option rule, they can be set. They can be set to be assigned when a character drops to zero hit points, when they take a crit, or when they fail a death save. The first mention that I personally recall for hidden hit points was in the second edition Ravenloft campaign setting box set, where they even suggested that you might run a game without letting the players see any of their character sheet. Now, to stake out a controversial position, <coughs> excuse me. Since metagaming, metagaming came up and has been mentioned on the show a few times, I wanted to throw this out there. I think the degree to which metagaming is a bad thing is proportional to the degree to which a GM is adversarial. In other words, if you let your players know they aren't trying to play gotcha or win a game session, um, they're way more likely to play up their injuries, flaws, etc. In fact, a lot of more modern games like Fate, 7C, and many probably Apocalypse games especially let you define what it means to to fail in many circumstances. If you think your character is going out in a blaze of glory, that's what they do. In fact, there have been a few times in D&D and Pathfinder games where I wanted to go out and play of Glory, but because of, game ru- because of the game rules and the way the other players interacted with the game on a more simulationist level, I would end up getting healed or saved in circumstances where I would have loved for the character to have had a meaningful exit. About D&D genre and pushing boundaries. I'm going to paraphrase Chris from Misdirected Mark here. I think that modifying a game to suit you is fine, up to a point. But there's a line which you have to decide if it's not just better to play a different game that does what you want. <coughs> excuse me. There's some detail dials. Excuse me. There's some dials you can turn up and down, and optional rules you can implement in D and D. It still feels like D and D. When you get to situations such as not knowing your hit points or your tracked resources, that's messing with the key elements of the game, and may not and may be pushing the boundaries a bit too much. D and D is kind of like Schrodinger's fantasy role playing game. It's both a toolbox and a genre unto itself. Was born of stories like Conan and Fafford and the Mauser, with influences from Tolkien. When it can be applied to multiple worlds, it doesn't actually emulate the source material perfectly. It has so many quirks and uh, native rules bits that "quote unquote" D and D fantasy has its own feel, which can take on the flavor of other fantasy, but it can always taste the D and D base. <clears throat> it's very boring just to say I did 23 points of damage when you hit, but it's also cumbersome when people have triple-digit hit points to narrate every single hit as well as missing the point that hit points aren't just wounds, but they're also stamina and luck as well. There isn't much that supports it in the rules, but narrative descriptions are something that should be used, but not for every hit in the game. This is where narrating things like critical hits and the bloody condition can come in handy as reminders to throw more descriptions at various times. There are Powered by the Apocalypse games where you take a set number of tags when you get hit, prompting you to describe what happened to your character. That's also something that Fate does when you take a consequence. But it's not actually something baked into D&D, and awareness and management of your resources is actually part of the game. Hidden hit points may make for an interesting experiment, but I don't think it would be sustainable for a group that really wanted a game to feel like D&D. So, Jared, I'll tell you, man, my um, I do get where you're quoting uh, Chris, you know, if you modify a game to a point. My my argument back to that is always um, one, who are you to tell me what point, what point is too far, right? For my group. Any more than I could tell you oh, that's not far enough or whatever it is. You are right though that it, I think it comes down to the group. And if the group you're playing with wants to wants it to feel a lot like D&D rules is written, yeah you fuck with it too much. They're going to riot on you. It's not going to work. Um, when I'm running Again, to my earlier point, I, I, I tend to think, hey, this is how I play, and if it doesn't feel like the way you want it to feel, you know where the door is because that's where you all come in. But generally speaking, I don't um, I don't know if D&D would be the absolute right one to do it with because, again, it's it's heavy on the 
number crunchies and keeping all the paperwork and so on and the resource management, as people have mentioned. But I also don't play a lot of high-level D&D. I don't go much past 10th level before characters start retiring. So some of the problems that huge hit point numbers get into and so on don't really impact me much because I'm not oftentimes playing in that space. But I do get it. If there's a better game system out there that does something similar, one of the things that throws me and my gamers and my, my core home group for a loop is that we have certain things that we really like out of D&D. Spells, armor class, some of the tropes, and some of the things that are very familiar and that we really like playing with. And for us, mucking about with the rules or even bending it to a point where an outsider would look at that and say, that's not freaking D&D, that's, that's Brett's game. Just call it Brett, Brett and D or whatever the hell you want to call it. It's not that. Um, I, think that's, I think that's legit, and it's by group and by, uh, the, number, by the people. That's that's how I see it. But all that said, your points um, your points are valid. And I think the <clears throat> other thing I really like that you threw out there was the metagaming component, the adversarial nature of the DM or GM, the degree of that adversarial approach. I think does really impact the metagaming direction. If you're used to playing with someone who's trying to play gotcha or hey, watch how how I can fuck over the players, or vice versa, yeah, I can see where everybody gets very metagaming at that point. Sean, you got anything on that one, or I'm sorry, I rambled on you. No, I think that that adversary piece is maybe something to explore. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I think the interesting thing with adversarial game mastering, we're gonna have to put that in the topic bin too, Ooh. is that <clears throat> there's different levels of it, right? There's sometimes people want people um, game masters to, you know, fight like they mean it. You know, and other ones like, no, 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 you you have to always be an advocate for the player. And then again, it's uh, it's around definitions, right? How far, what level of adversary are you willing to tolerate before you go away from it? So, all right, we're going to add that one to the bin as well. You read the next one while I do that. Carlin of the Hill people also chimes in on Google Plus about hidden hit points. When I first got back into the hobby after moving to a new town, I ran 3.5 D&D and tried an experiment of hiding the HP from the players. Results were interesting and ultimately put my GM description skills to the test. Having to describe a small scratch different, differently from a club to the brain pan in a way that told the player, hey, you don't have much health left, but be careful, was challenging but revealing about how little we think about what hit point loss looks like. Ultimately, I stole the bloodied mechanic from 4E but made it so, uh, so something narrative would happen to, let me rephrase that, Ultimately, I stole the bloodied mechanic from 4E, but made it so something narrative would happen to the character every quarter of their hit points, be it a stab wound that is leaking, a hit to the funny bone, or loss of footing. Sounds vaguely similar to Mr. Kurtz above. I do. I like that. Right? Yeah, four wounds, quarters. Uh, players started recognizing these prompts and could ultimately figure out how much health they roughly had left, but usually had a slew of other problems to take care of because they hit those bloody checkpoints on their HP track. The index card RPG does something like this, sort of. Players and tasks have hearts to determine health and how much effort it takes to accomplish something. Each heart is always worth 10 hit points, so players and foes are always on a level playing field. You always know that a foe with three hearts is a big deal, but ultimately that's just 30 HP to slog through. However, the loss of a heart is kind of like a GM and player uh, cue to say, hey, this guy just lost a good chunk of their health. What does that look like? Hearts are also used to perform tasks like open locked chests or climbing up a wall. You would roll to see if you succeed in making progress, then roll an effort die to see how much progress you make toward the goal. So a one-heart wall climb attempt might take multiple tries if you're rolling only a D6 for effort unless you roll a critical on your initial roll, which adds another dice. All this to say, hiding hit points is challenging, but it can be done. At higher level with double and triple digit health, it can become a chore to narrate. But at that point, you might as well be playing Dungeon World or Black Hack with low HP and simpler rules. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. The cards thing is the index card RPG. Uh, interesting. I don't know that one. I've seen it. I, I haven't. I don't know much about it. I have, I have heard of and seen it online, but I do not know much about it either. 
The thing that's interesting to me is that at the end of the day, I mean, everybody has, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but you start playing and then eventually you become a game designer or you want to build a thing. And you say, hey, I like this piece, that piece, and the other piece. You know, as we talked with Rob Whelan about, you know, you, you steal shit constantly. And you try to make something that is whatever variation of balanced or conforms to how you want to game. Um, so that's uh, interesting stuff. I, I love stealing shit from other games and, and making it fit in my home game. I mean, that's the whole concept of Game Master Player Advice is taking things that you learn or or uh, read, figure out, or whatever, and then crank, cranking it somehow so it fits into your stuff. I like it. So, cool. Very good stuff. Thank you, Carlin. Thanks, everybody. There were other comments on Google+. Um, some back and forth between a few people. So if you'd like to know more, we'll have a link in the show notes to some of the conversation there. Nice. On to the main topic, shall we? Yes. <laughs> All right, Brett. With sanity, man. We're talking about sanity. Sanity! <laughs> yes. So I'm um, thinking about this for a couple different reasons. One, hidden hit points brought this to my mind. And two, I was running... Because it was a crazy idea. <laughs> that is a crazy idea. And um, my friends and I have talked about sanity in the past, um, in games, in real life, of course. But talking about games... Mental illness, different these types of mental conditions, basically in gaming. And uh, running, I'm running Warhammer First Edition RPG for my friends. I just finally got because of the holidays and running EverCon, it pushed us pushed our larger second session off to just this last Saturday. And we ran, I ran for a good nine hours, which is a pretty good stretch for me. So we did had a lot of fun there. And one of the things that you do is you gain insanity points as opposed to losing sanity points. You gain a point of insanity. So slightly different approach to things but the fact is is that you get that in warhammer in first edition yeah oh yeah you you get you get insanity there's insanity in it i see <laughs> and i know even in uh, 5e there are optional rules around sanity i was going to try to brush up on those before i got to the desk today but i didn't get out of work in time so anyhow sean when you play rpgs um and you think about sanity, um, losing mental, you know, capacity, mental illness, blah blah blah. Especially sanity is usually how it's is is viewed. Do you think of only think of like Call of Cthulhu and horror games, or does it is it? What do you think about when you hear that? Hey, this game has sanity mechanics in it. Do you think, yay, I love that shit, or what? Call of Cthulhu. That's what you think. Yeah, most of the times, because that's kind of intricate to the game. I think. Integral. To that particular game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a Call of Cthulhu, Trail of Cthulhu. Hell, Dread uses Jenga blocks to uh, track sanity. So, well, it's that's a resolution mechanic in Dread. Yeah, but it's still a thing. Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't know if it's specific to sanity, though. Fair enough. Fair point. I've, yeah. It's been a long time since I looked at a copy of Dread. But anyway. Yeah, it's something you're doing and then you're like, gonna, you might get shot, pull a thing yep yeah there is i've played other games where i've tried to use sanity or willpower stability something along those lines and i think in as i like to run dark gritty games sometimes we think about you know your average especially if you're playing a game with average smo average schmo which is one of the things for call of cthulhu one the cthulhu mythos is fraught with people going fucking nuts because dealing with outer entities from an ambivalous um, you know, a nihilistic universe would drive one mad. Um, but you're also a regular guy or, and lady who's happened upon a thing. You start investigating into what the problem is with, you know, your great aunt Hilda who just died. And lo and behold, you know, investigator Mary, investigator Sam walk into the room and there's a Bayaki. Holy shit. That's insane. It makes no sense. You lose sanity points. <coughs> um, I also think that I've, when I've run games where people are hunting monsters, even in a, a modern-style game, it makes sense to me to track some sort of mental stability, you know, where you're running into things that don't make sense. You're running into stuff that's dangerous. Um, where I think it gets kind of more difficult is in a fantasy game a lot of times. I know um, Heroes of Horror, which is a 3-5 uh, hardcover book by Watsy for D&D, 
Um, had some sanity type mechanics in it and stuff, if I recall that one correctly. And I know Ravenloft box sets from second edition talked about going insane. And there were different um, old Dragon Magazine articles and such. And I think that it, when you get to some of the fantasy games, it becomes harder to justify it because adventures are fucking nuts, right? We go down there, oh, Christ, it's weird, it's creepy, it's a uh, gibbering mouther, ah! You know, and if you were to ch- flip that and say, well, there's a gibbering mouther, but it's in a Call of Cthulhu setting, you'd be like, oh, clearly a roll for sanity. And I think what that... I think it's one part and parcel to the genre and the game system and so on. But... um it feels like one of those things, and maybe it's just in the gamer circles I run, <laughs> I run with running horror games and such, that it feels like something that should be a part of of games more often in in some cases. And I, I, maybe it makes things less heroic or something, but I like having it in my games, tracking sanity, because it gives me one more thing to help remind the players that, from an immersion perspective, this is this is dangerous or this is mind-shattering. Because you, know, you can describe a thing as a pulpy, tentacle-headed creature with two arms, two legs. It's a purplish hide. It's you know tentacles writhing at you as it rips out your buddy's brain. You're like, fuck, what is that? Well, it's a mind flare or an illithid. Fine. But should that not drive you a little nuts? Or does it not have the potential to, to cause problems like that? Or just because you're an elf and an adventurer, you don't care? So, anyway... That, just some off the top of my head thoughts, Sean. What is that? I see you're, you've got the thoughtful face. What does that mean? You ignoring me? This just is this is my stop? no. This is my thoughtful face. Hmm. And that's you hitting the mic. No, blasted mic. Uh, I agree. I agree, Brett. So, do if I were to, you know, in Star Wars, there's no sanity points. Then is there sanity points in FFG Star Wars? Anything like no. that? No. Not that I'm aware of. And I don't think it necessarily fits there. No. No, in, no insanity. In, no insanity in Star a, Wars. That's the dark side. Right? That's the dark side talking. When you get kind of, you lose your marbles. I don't think you lose your marbles, though. You kind of, there's a self-centeredness around the dark side of the force. Or you just become morally ambiguous. Depends who's writing the movie at the time. Indeed. But. so, But I do agree. <laughs> like in me. D&D and you're going in the crazy dungeons and encountering crazy monsters you still leave with all your mental capacity intact yeah well that was nuts i've been covered in gore for the last five days i've been slogging through goblin Uh, goblin villages and murdering goblin babies i'm fine it's all fine it's it's all kind of the world like it sounds like going down to the grocery store man yeah i ran into a crazy rabid dog you know it's nuts Oh, this happened to be like a mind flare or a beholder. I was floating in the air, ball, eye stocks. Yeah. Didn't want to hit you know, it. <laughs> you know, just another day at the office. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we said about world and this calls back to I think Eli Kurtz and especially in the in the comments we just read, is that if you're playing D and D Greyhawk, D and D Forgotten Realms, D and D fantasy, that type of setting where it's just it's not part of the world, right? It's going to be a harder sell. If you were playing um, uh, Ravenloft, you'd be like, oh, it's gothic horror. There's horror involved. Okay. Um, Warhammer Fantasy um, has a darker, nastier feel to everything. So it, it, it makes some sense that it's in there. And modern-day Monster Hunters and so on. I think it's definitely a... I've tried to include it in games that the world was not built specifically around it being important, saying, hey, we'll add this to our D&D game, just a standard gray hockey style D&D game. It always gets forgotten <laughs> because you're playing and it's a new mechanic, and because it doesn't fit the world, nobody fucking cares. So I, th- I think it's one of those things you could easily introduce. You could easily steal a mechanic for sanity from Call of Cthulhu, Anything. Use the optional ones in, in uh, 5e or whatever. You could easily steal that mechanic and stick it into another game that doesn't have it if the world supports it. I mean, if I took that mechanic and slammed it into FFG Star Wars, it'd be like, what? It's not Star Wars worldy at all. And that's why I threw the example out there. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taking rules from this game and that game, slamming into this game. 
it just runs against your grain, doesn't it? You just can't well, speak. I just I always get perplexed about this whole dynamic about Miles has just played Bet, Brett PG. Yeah, totally. Brett, Brett PG. Well, if I ever get <laughs> if I ever get really bored and nothing but time, I'll make my own. But even then, you whatever. Right. But it, I, I'll tell you what. As soon as as soon as you or anybody else can prove to me that they run every game by every rule exactly as written and never modify anything, then then I'll take criticism around that. From, That's from, every game I run, Brett. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you play Savage Rules? Nope. Fuck the rule book, says Sean. God, you're going to hold that against me forever. <laughs> I'm not holding it against you. I'm just reminding you of the thing that you do. All right, fine. So, well, I, <coughs> sorry, go ahead. It's not like I ran Savage Worlds and then put in, like, all right, everybody's got armor class. We're going to play armor class. No, 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 no. That, that would be a little nuts. Right. Well, that'd be insane. Oh, uh, there you go. Gus, where are you, buddy? I don't know. He's sleep. He's sleeping. Oh, he's sleeping over there. Yeah, he's sleeping. So, the interesting thing to me is that whenever any game, honestly, that has insanity, even if you decide, hey, I'm going to add it or not. So, let's say it's world based. We agree there. Um, it's funny, but everybody, not everybody, a lot of folks I've played with over the years, even my core group and others, how you deal with insanity in the game. People want it to be either permanent. Um, debilitating, look, I went irrevocably mad, had to be put down like a mad dog, or they want to make sure that there's a way to fix it. Um, which, if anybody's ever dealt with people who have, um, you know, mental handicaps or, you know, mentally distraught or conditions or whatever, I'm positive you don't just spend a week with the alienist and suddenly feel a whole lot better and you're no longer a kleptomaniac. It probably doesn't work like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so, a fair statement. So in a, in a game that's trying to replicate, hey, this would be a real effect, then saying, hey, well, after two months of treatment, you're fine. I don't think that works that way. But people that I've played with tend to be all too happy, weirdly so. I'm megalomaniacal. I'm a homicidal maniac now. I guess I'm crazy. I'll go catatonic. The most extreme versions of insanity are the ones that people gravitate towards. You saw the Bayaki in the room. Inspector Mary goes crazy what do you think would happen i think she's now uh, psychotic yeah she's totally psychotic now like whoa <laughs> it's i have found um that that has been a case sean i know you've played call of Cthulhu. you've played trail with me i have and um we went, had a little bit of insanity here and there poking and prodding people i think your character had some i i most certainly was crazy but you didn't lean directly into well i'm a homicidal maniac with uh you know, arsonist tendencies. That wasn't where you went. No. Were, were you tempted to go there, though? I was a little bit. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you played Call of Cthulhu and other games of Sanity in the past, yeah? Yeah, yep. Did you notice the same thing, or is it so long ago you didn't notice? Or you don't remember? It's been a while. It's been a while. Okay. I think, I, I'm, I think I'm the one of the sane ones when I play <laughs> I could, Call I Cthulhu. could see that, actually. I end up being like this, I don't know, I must be like last guy Last man standing. standing. Yeah, and seem to be, have my wits about me for some reason. Kev, I don't know what it is. Kevin has run, uh, Kev Thulu has played a lot of Call of Cthulhu and various other things, and he has played in a lot of games with me that have sanity and so on. And uh, he's helped a lot in case of, oh, I think this is because you try to, if you inflict insanity on someone, say, you're now a megalomaniacal prick. They're like, oh, crap. Some, but oftentimes you want to say, well, um, your character's going crazy. Um, this is the situation. This is where you're at. You failed your roll. You're down to the point where your sanity or the Jenga tower falls over or whatever mechanic we're using. You're nuts. Um, <laughs> I have found that if you just say, here's the insanity you get, generally pe speaking, people either latch on with both hands, get pissed off, or something or other. Um, it, it doesn't go well that way. So I try to source the room. One thing that Trail of Cthulhu would do, if I'm remembering, it's been a while since I read it, but where you basically pull the group and say, what kind of insanity do you think Sean should have? Oh. Type of thing. <clears throat> so kind of a group consensus that way. Or we kind of crowdsource at the table and say, so what's the situation? You're playing Mary. She's walked into a room. There's a Bayaki standing over the corpse of her uncle. You're looking for this. It's nighttime. There's owls. Or da 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 da. I think you're afraid of things that fly. Okay, sure. Uh, look up a fear of avian something something. That's your 
that's your uh, insanity slash hardcore phobia. That makes sense. You see that, it's difficult for you to do things. Okay, fine. <clears throat> but if you don't, um, it, like I said, if you just ladle it onto somebody, they tend not to buy into it. So in the case of immersion and so forth, in my opinion, it helps greatly to have the player buy into whatever it is that you're inflicting on them. It's kind of like, well, I knew a sword fight was dangerous. I could hit with a sword. Hey, guess what? I lost eight hit points. They buy that. They're fighting. They they know that if they get hit, it's going to hurt. They know investigating horrible dark entities is going to cause insanity because it's right there on my fucking character sheet. But when they do go crazy, having them buy into the type of insanity helps, at least from my expect of my experience. So, Sean, from your side, which would you would you prefer to be part of the decision, or do you not care? I think it's a hybrid. Brett, I think I have my own method that I would like to instill. And what is that? Random, random, random table. That's not a bad idea, Brett. <laughs> what What have you got? But no, I sometimes think that as a game master, keeper, mm-hmm. EM, you you might not let the player know they're going insane. Ah, going to the hidden hit points slash hidden insanity. Well, kind of. Just think of the paperwork, though, Sean. Could you handle uh, that kind of paperwork? Yeah, it's very easy. It's called <laughs> right. sticky notes. Right. Brett is. You write it on a sticky note. Brett is knucking futz. There's his problem. You, you no, know, you sticky note. Mm-hmm. So Brett's character is going off the deep end. Yep. And right on there, hey, you know, somebody's behind you looking at you. Okay. You throw the note at Brett. Okay, I turn around and look. Like, doesn't seem to be anybody there, but whatever. Joe Snuffy, Jane Snuffy. All right, must not be a big deal. Just keep doing that all game. Oh, just parent. That'd be the paranoia problem. That'd be the paranoia specifically, but you could write a note on there and say, um,. You're afraid of. You, you, you don't want to take a drink from the water bottle. Why? It's water. It just turns you off. What? Well, you don't tell them it's water. Yeah. Oh, look, there you go. Okay. Hey, you see you see sewage, black sludge, crap, worms in it. You're like, I'm not drinking that. I could see that. The rest that. of the party looks at it and drinks it, and it's water. And then you look over, and you see them drinking this sludgy crap. Yeah. Change their reality. Yeah, because the Game Master is the source of truth. He's portraying what, yes, yeah. portraying what the person the player character sees, and the, feels. And the players can be like, what the hell? And look right. around. Do, am I seeing this? Your character sees this. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. I do. That could be the battle within somebody's mind. No, I definitely like, like that. Their player character's mind and the player's mind meets. And it's a battle inside. Eventually, <laughs> they're going to know. I think something's not right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what gave you that idea? The freaking mound of little notes in front of you? <laughs> Yeah, or you're the only one I've been fucking with for the last six hours after you saw the Bayaki. Yeah. Right. The other piece I think that you're that you're doing there, which I think is really good, is that it has to be an event that has importance to it. So if you're tracking hit points, it clearly is marching to death, and death is should be freaking important, or at least a bother, or at least some sort of a temporary way to lose money and whatnot while you get resurrected. Regardless, losing sanity... And eventually going insane or having a phobia or whatever it is that strikes you, having it be a definitely a story beat story based thing that occurs is uh, is gold. Because if you're not doing that, then it's basically ah, I got five hit points left. I'm fine. Now I should go get a healer, right? <clears throat> so it, it, it's supposed to represent mental state and all that stuff. And I think that it's it's serious enough and just wonderful story fodder for descriptions and that type of thing, like you're descri- describing that it definitely makes that that approach worthwhile. I think that's worth it. That's cool. Yeah, then you get them to then you get them to drink. Yeah. Get their character to drink. Yeah. And say everything seems back to normal. Except now they're drunk all the time. <laughs> and they think they're fine, but all their rolls are like give me a roll. Oh, you rolled a 20? Yeah, you miss. What happened? I don't understand. What's yeah, going what happened? on? Yeah, what happened? What happened? I understand. Feel fine. Yeah, you feel fine. Mm-hmm. But you're not fine. And then you do the opposite to the other players. You see that they're they're slurring their speech. Yeah, everybody else just seems hammered. <laughs> I mean, you just gotta 
there's ways I think that you can get sanity or insanity in a group where it doesn't have to be like, hey, by the way, you're now going mad. Roll and role play. Yeah, exactly. No, you can you can mm-hmm. as game master you can help them achieve that through poking and prodding in that exact manner. I have done that in the past. I did not think about it. So thank you for bringing that up. I like that. Eventually what's going to happen is the player will latch onto it and then they'll be like, oh, then they'll all buy it. They'll buy right in. Yeah. Or they'll, or they'll get mad, which isn't necessarily a bad thing either. <laughs> That's true. Then you can, oh, Christ, you can say, I'm insane. Sorry. Hey, what do you expect? I don't want to be, you know, insane. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Right. But you know what? There's one way not to be insane. What's that, Sean? Hit the bottle. <laughs> oh, my God. Hit the bottle. Take, you know, drugs. Um, talk to somebody. Yep. Maybe it's, you know, all kinds of stuff that. In a game with magic, maybe there's a way to fix it that way. Psionics, right. all sorts of things. Right. So I'll tell you what, <clears throat> what this brings up to me is, so I like, I love that approach. I like doing that, too. God, I, f- I can't believe I forgot about that. Dude, it's, you know. It's just, it's the diamonds that you're, it's the year of the Sean. We've already established that. Well, see, Brett, you look at things like. When you brought the subject up, you're like, hey, Sean, have you ever done this? Have you ever implemented sanity or insanity in certain games? And I go for, well, if I were to do that, how would I do it? No, that's totally legit, dude. I like it. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely like yeah. it. So a question for you, though. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, obviously, I, I shouldn't say obviously, but my assumption would be, hey, we're playing a game. It has sanity in it. Everyone at the table has bought in. We've done the session zero. We've done all the right stuff. Assuming there's an X card, there's some option on the table, and I want to bring this up because, yeah, depending what and you we're we're losing. I mean, we're using these pretty flippantly. Oh, very flippantly, obviously, right? right crazy <clears throat> and off the deep. But I mean, that's that's not to belittle folks that truly have no mental problems. And um, it is so there. Are the, what are the cliche components of well, I'm insane, so I hit the bottle. Like Sean, we we've joked about that. Well, and right. It happens constantly. In movies, TV, and books, and whatever, it becomes like the solution for the the drunk, a coping mechanism. Yeah, a coping mechanism yes. for the drunken investigator, uh, or excuse me, for the insane investigator, or the Delta Green agent who's PTSD. On the edge. Yep. Right. Yeah. We need to be cognizant that some of that stuff may <laughs> may not be a very nice thing to say yeah, to certain it people. Might not be. It, right, might, it might not, not be, be cool, cool to use at the table. We're throwing this out there. Yeah. And. Uh, I hope at this point that people clearly know that uh, if nothing else, if you just tuned in, make very clear. Sean, and I have no disrespect for that. I know I've got friends of mine who have serious PTSD problems from military experience and so on. I have known other people who have been to therapy and are on mood altering drugs because it helps them cope correctly and helps them deal with things and all that stuff. And that's absolutely fine. Totally legitimate. I am not disparaging it. And neither is Sean. Um, <clears throat> so if you're running this, one of the reasons why, you know, Sean poking it that way, the the player goes, oh, yeah, oh, I'm seeing things. Oh, that's a little bit different. Oh, this is a weird bit of paranoia. Okay, okay. Then the player's buying into it, or they have a chance to push back a little bit and say, well, geez, you know, but you're engaging the player instead of, and my concept of source the table, ask the player, what do they like? What would they be comfortable with? Um, to me, in this space is better and safer than handing down an edict that says something. I have been ages back with a group that we I was gaming with. We had one guy who no hasn't played with us in forever, and this is one of the reasons he doesn't. Um, he we're talking about blah blah blah, and he's like, "Well, that's like being it's well, I could see like pedophilia would be insanity." I'm like, "Done, no, this is not a, this is not funny." Uh-huh. And he's like, "What? It's legit? No, we're done. No, X card hadn't been thought of at the time. There's nothing we would have." And I just went, "No, kibosh, done. Not talking about that." And uh, there were a number of other grown men at the table like, what the fuck? Where's that coming from? So dude's not with us anymore. Um, but regardless, you can all figure out whatever creepy man or woman would be at your game table. Unfortunately, usually a guy um, <laughs> that may say or do something stupid with just and then using the game's mechanic insanity as an excuse to say, oh, this is what and so on and, and using that. So. I'm not saying don't use it or be terrified of using it or whatever, but it's one of those things that you may not think of insanity or the descriptions of or coping mechanisms and so forth necessarily being excardable at a game. Because, like, oh, let's call it Cthulhu. Everyone knows it. Oh, we all go crazy and die. 
oh, yeah, I'm crazy, and then blah, and yeah, my character starts drinking, and yeah, then I become kind of abusive drunk. And somebody at the table is going click, 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 and their little ticker in their head is going off. They're like, I can't take this. I don't need this because of whatever it is that they've had in their life or dealt with with others and whatever. So short version, be kind, be respectful about this thing. Um, it's very easy to take something as, <clears throat> as weighty as sanity and mental illness and convert it to a hit point mechanic. And uh, that that's fine. It helps aid in gameplay, <clears throat> excuse me, and so on. But be cognizant of who you're playing with and make sure that people have an out. You may, some character may go insane and like, look, I, I don't want to do this. Can I just go catatonic and forget about a day? Sure. Totally fine. You know, offer the options to people. Offer them a way out when they need it. So, sorry, wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, that's uh, <coughs> definitely warranted. So, yeah, yeah, it's an it's an adult theme. You know, got to be careful with who's at the table. We don't know what's what's in their uh, background. Yep, and uh, oh, they've had to deal with it in one way or another, whether it's them or a relative or a friend. So, exactly, that's something that you got to keep in mind. Now, that aside, or even that included, I should say. I find in games that it's 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 featured in Call of Cthulhu, Trail of Cthulhu, and so on. It can be great. It really helps to. Um, this is one of those times when I will say having a mechanic, having the number on my sheet to track, really helps me. It's metagamey, but it is so foreign um, to try to. I don't know. There's something about it that helps me. Most people I play with kind of almost get more immersion, as bizarrely as bizarre as it is, and that is kind of metagamey, right? But having the um, having that tool, that mechanic that says, "Hey, you're getting close. You're feeling twitchy. You've got a phobia. It's getting worse. You don't like cats. You don't like cats in dark places. How much farther you want to push this, Brett? Oh my God, you know." And at some point, it just it gives you more to role play off of, and I think it's a really good uh, tool for that. So it it can be really really helpful. Well, it's an analog. You can, it's you can check and because because sanity insanity is not a switch it on switch it off typically no. nope. right you well I mean it could be you could witness something very horrible and that shake you to your core but typically as things progress and you you don't deal with that or you deal with even more of that type of exposure or stress. Uh, something that the mind is not typically used to doing, Yep, it then takes shape of its own. And so that's where that scale comes in, right? Exactly. And I think the idea, uh, my wife just came with my little kid, sorry, I had to say goodnight to her. Um, That's fine. I think think the kisses were were on the air. Were on the air. That's all right. That's 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 my daughter. Right. She's she's little. Anyhow, the um, shit was, oh, Taking insanity or sanity and extrapolating it to things that are probably a psychologist, psychiatrist, someone who does this for a living, go, that's not how that works, is no different than saying hit points are a good enough description of somebody taking a two-handed sword in the face, right? I've taken a two-handed sword to the face. I know what that's like, (laughs) right? Anybody has ever seen Sean? Never mind. Um, (laughs) Oh, not with that that hair. Not with that that pompadour, dude. There's no way. That's like a helmet. Ding! Off the top. Anyhow, um, I think one one of the pieces I have done, even in the, in the past, when not trying to strive for realism with sanity, but just kind of having it be, yep, you went temporarily insane. You're catatonic for right now. Or you ran outside screaming, and you can't do anything for four hours. That uh, An irrevocably version of that, hey, guess what? Retire your character. The same as you know being permanently stuck in a hospital or something. So Anyway, I think... Um, I think the short version is I think it is really cool. I like I actually like tracking it. Um I used to think, well, it'd be really cool to kind of hide it and so forth, but there's something about having the player have that reference point for sanity that for some reason feels different to me than hit points. And maybe it's because hit points are in every game and sanity is only in very special games. When I say, you know, just very specifically tuned world games and when it's on the character sheet, you remember, ah, yes. In Call of Cthulhu, I could lose my mind. I need to watch that. So I think, for for me anyway, sanity on the character sheet and tracking it in that metagamey sense is legit. I think it's a good thing to have. Shall we move on? 
Got anything more to say? No. So clearly, if anybody else disagrees, uh, agrees um, with either Sean or me, mostly me, uh, write in, tell us, give us a call. And if um, you got better ways or different thoughts, let us know. All right. Die Die roll. roll. What you got there, Brett? Well, I've got one. So um, last GaryCon, I I was in the uh, Goodman Games um, seminar, like what's new, and they brought up the fact that, hey, they're going to do a bunch of classic um, Into the Borderlands, Search of the Unknown, and so on for 5th edition D&D. They were going to do some really cool stuff. Um, it looks like actually they may have some really released copies at GaryCon in March. So if they show up there, hope to God I can snag a copy. But anyway, Into the Borderlands is now available for pre-order on GoodmanGames.com. So I ta- I saw it there, talked about it online. Uh, word got out from there and various other places. But hey, it's actually coming. It seems to be a little bit slower than they had initially anticipated. But yeah, you can pre-order a copy of the dang thing. So that's pretty damn cool. You pre-order a copy, bro? I did not. I was hoping to snag one at GaryCon if there shows up. If it does not, if I can't find one at GaryCon, uh, maybe I'll uh, I'll get Jen Brakeman to, to get me one. No, I'm kidding. Because no. <laughs> she probably has five copies if it's coming from Goodman Games. Anyway, no, seriously, I'm, I'm hoping I can grab one at GaryCon. If I can't there, then I'm going to definitely order it. So it should be pretty cool. When is it available? Oh, good Lord. I just shut my little browser down. Hang tight. Do, 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 do. I mean, if it's available for pre-order. Yeah, it's got to be pretty close. They do not have the release date itself yet. They do not have that on the page. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, it's coming. All right. Uh, there's more to life than just D&D. Lies. Brett. Brett. Lies. <laughs> what else is there? By Brooke H. on Pop Culture Uncovered. Oh, this is a oh, this is besides wife and children and other cool things and like hunting. They're actually talking about other games to see. Yes, other games other than D and D, Brett. Okay, all right, I'm fine then. All right. There's some listeners of ours that are like, finally, yes, hello, <laughs> no kidding. Why do you guys reference D and D all the time? It's their three five hundred pound gorilla. Yeah, folks. exactly. Just, it just is. All right, uh, congrats to Todd, our very own Todd Crapper, for his new role at Third Eye Games. Yes, congratulations, Todd. That is awesome, man. Joins the company that is Aloy LaSanta. Yes, he is their... dip system, amongst other things. Yep, he's the design manager, Mr. Crapper is, uh... Updated their logo for 2018, and uh, yeah, he's going to make everything look really cool, slick, professional. So uh, Todd is just an all-around awesome guy, and uh, thankfully he listens to us and uh, likes talking to us online, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, so you'll be involved in Third Eye Game stuff like uh, Part-Time Gods, the PIP system, uh, Ampere One, Ninja Crusade, all sorts of cool stuff that they do. So very slick. Supports the show. Yes, he does. Thank you so much for that, yeah. So make sure you watch him and see what he comes out with at Third Eye Games. We wish you all the best, Todd, on the new venture there. Uh, Last one, Castles and Crusades, Monsters and Treasures kickstarted. It's been funded, ladies and gents. Uh, As of this recording, it ends February 13th, 2018. So if you're listening to this after February 13th, it's probably out, and you'll be able to get a copy. If you listen to this beforehand, you want to get in on the Kickstarter, well, we'll have a link in the show notes. Very cool. You know, yeah. you know that reminds me. I should have thrown this one out there. I'm glad you mentioned this Kickstarter because the Midderlands expansion by Glenn Seal. Uh, Glenn does a lot of stuff. He's over in the UK. He did some really cool stuff for Astonishing Swordsman and other good bits. I missed the last one he did, his Midderlands one. So this is out there. He still has, as of today... January 29th, he still has 26 days to go, so he's still alive and happening. I'm going to get a link in the show notes right here on this one. Midderlands, Yeah, Midderlands, yep. So uh, Glenn does good work, so I want to make sure I threw that out there. All right. Yep. So Stephen Chennault and Tim and Tyler and the gang, we always see them at GaryCon and GameholeCon, those crazy crazy guys at Troll Lord Games. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of uh, people, Edwin Nagy, who I mentioned earlier, yeah, he's doing yeah. he's doing writing for the uh, 
for Glenn Seals stuff for the Midlands. So he's oh, involved in that. So. Well, look at that. Pretty, little Edwin. Pretty cool. Yeah, got people all doing all kinds of stuff. They, we're the ones doing the podcast, and they're the professionals. Exactly. Well, well, clearly <laughs> this is as good as it gets for us. So <laughs> this is why. I, this is why I got to get. Yeah. I'm working with. Um, that's why we're not doing their job. Exactly. Well, that's that's why I got uh, Sean Merwin doing the editing for my Avalon Kickstarter and stuff. So that's still cooking and cruising on the uh, on the back end of things. So got a little meeting set up with those guys. Hopefully soon we'll get things rolling and all that. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, that's that's why I let the professionals do the professional stuff. So, here we are. All right, last one. Oh, the Joe Swick. He pointed out headrest post on G Plus for making a map out of leather. This is really freaking cool. So, if you're into props and so forth, <coughs> excuse me. There's a link out there for crafting a leather map that this uh, gentleman did using a, a soldering iron and leather and so forth. So, kind of cool. Nice little. Uh, piece of like authentic gaming feel so pretty neat good stuff thank you joe yeah joe thanks buddy all right brett i think that sums it up for die roll what are we talking about next week well you know i was all set to actually go into immersion because we've got that on the dock it has been sitting there for a while but then then we got this other idea here we're talking about adversarial gming so it's going to be either immersion or adversarial gming depend how combative i feel so we'll see how it goes. Fair, <laughs> it's going to be one enough. of those. All right. Well, excellent. Can't wait till that one comes along. It'll be good. All right. Well, if I can get my browser to work here. Here we go. Uh, this show is brought to you with help from the following BSers. Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Forrest Tagari, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Palladian, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnson, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Lost Sailor, Todd McGowan, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froilich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Michael Drescher with Static, Alexander Auerbach, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric Hoff Hoffman, Soldiers Misfortune, RPG, Christopher Lane, Curtis Takahashi, Gordon Cranford, Mark Saka, Larry Hout, Ray Otis, Ron Bishop, Craig Huber, Huber, Xavier G, J, V, John Hammersley, Derelict Radio, John Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Blake Ryan, Chad Glayman, Sky, Roger Brasslett, Evan Harrison Cass, Craig Howard Bishop, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Jim Fitzpatrick, Peter Scannis, The Knights of the Night Crew, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Eli Kurtz, Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, and Andy Hall. Check out how you can support the show. Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash support dash us. That's it. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.